Welcome to Detour to Neverland, where you are the author of your own Disney story. There's a lot of satisfaction in developing ideas into realities. And you can find magic in your everyday life. If you do what you really want to do, you feel like you're playing. How can you write your first chapter today? Dreams are how we figure out where we want to go. Life is how we get there. I'm headed this way. We're your hosts, Brendan and Catherine. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode number 265. And today we're excited to continue our storytelling series where our goal for today is that you will be able to visit this next park, I should say, and really understand what the story is and how it can better enhance your experience. And today, that park that we're talking about is Blizzard Beach. Before we get started, we are so pleased to share that this episode is sponsored by Hannah Little with Creating Magic Vacations. She specializes in Disney vacations, and her services are 100% free to her clients. She does everything from booking your trip, making advanced dining reservations, creating customized daily itineraries, and much more. You can click the link in our show notes or head to littlebitofdisney.com to request a completely free quote. If you're watching the news the last couple of days, Food and Wine is starting super early this year, July 15th. So it's a great time to go ahead and start planning for that fall trip for you and your family. And no better person to help with that process than our friend Hannah. So again, littlebitofdisney.com or click that link down in our show notes. And there you can connect with her and get that free quote. So it's appropriate that we're going to talk about Blizzard Beach today because today, April 1st, not an April Fool's joke, this is actually the anniversary of this park. If you had to guess, and I know you can see it on our screen now that we're talking about it, but if you had to guess beforehand, how old did you think this park was? I would have guessed maybe like somewhere in the range of 15 or 18. Um, it's older than that. It's 26 today. Which is pretty exciting. And it's also really sad that it missed its 25th anniversary last year. Oh, way to bring that up, Brendan. Well, I was just thinking about it because I was like, what did they do for the 25th? And then I remembered that it was closed. Do they celebrate like the water parks in the same manner that they would the theme parks, though? I don't think it'd be in the same manner, but surely they would do something or have a pin or... Even if it was just a cast member celebrating, that would be cool. I saw Disneyland Paris is celebrating its 29th anniversary of something. It's obviously not the park. The park is older than that, I believe. But anyway, it was 29 was just a weird number. I saw like a banner for it. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's kind of odd. Maybe they would have like a special treat. That's what we would hope for, right? Yes. This was actually the third Walt Disney World water park after River Country and Typhoon Lagoon. Now, River Country is not a topic that we have dove into too much. If you're not a longtime Walt Disney World visitor, you maybe are not familiar with it, or if you just heard like urban legends of it, probably (laughs) many of you have watched the YouTube video of the people sneaking in to where River Country is now, and it's deserted and abandoned. That is a topic for another day. But just know that at the time that Blizzard Beach opened, River Country and Typhoon Lagoon were already in operation. And the official mascot for the Blizzard Beach Park is Ice Gator. 
which I love. I mean, you cannot get any better than that. You have probably never met two people who have jumped more into the Floridian lifestyle and appreciate gators more than the two of us. We will actually stop our car, put the windows down. I don't think we've ever gotten out of the car. That's a little too much. That's like Florida man right yeah, there. Yeah, for gator spotting. But near our house, there is a little pond. These little ponds are everywhere. And there is a gator that lives there. So every time we drive by, we have to slow down a little bit. We have to, you know, poke our heads up a little more and we watch for him. The other day, actually, Brendan went to go get the mail and he had to pass said pond. He comes running in the house and he's like, you have to get in the car. You have to get in the car. The gator's there. And we we made a special trip just to go watch him swim around the pond. And he was on the prowl. He was. He was very active. He was swimming all over that pond. It was a thrill. Um, one last thing. We'll wrap up our story about our gator and our infatuation with him. But our gator is named Gary. I personally think Ga- Gary is a better name than Ice Gator. But is, I mean, is his name Ice? Like Ice the Gator? Everything that I've seen just says Ice Gator. Oh. Not like Ice the Gator or... A gator known by the name of Ice, just <laughs> Ice Gator. Just ice Gator, okay. And I think, you know, now that I'm saying it out loud to you, do you think it's a play on the words of, like, it sounds like Ice Skater? Or is that just our, my southern twang coming out? That's it. No, I love that because there's actually a few other things in this park that if you say it right, it sounds like something else. So that might be correct. I love that. So there's kind of two stories that we want to cover here for Blizzard Beach. There's the fictional story and there is the real life story of how this came to be. Let's start with the fictional. That's always more fun, right? Of course. The story goes that a freak snowstorm hit Central Florida on January 11th, 1977. I spent more time than I'm willing to admit (laughs) trying to figure out what the heck the meaning of January 11th, 1977 I, well, because it's it's odd for a fictional story to have such a specific date. Like typically when we talk about storytelling, you know, it's around the, you know, late 18 something, early, you know, whatever. It's never this specific. I even on my notes, I was typing it out the different ways that you could do it to see like, are there, is there a number pattern? Like, is this in reference to October 1st, 1971 or something? You know, if you rearrange the numbers, but But no, I couldn't really figure anything out. The closest thing, which I think this has to be it because of the year, there is a thing, a weather event called the cold wave of January 1977, appropriately named. And it was a weather event and it snowed in central and south Florida during this time period. Now, the only thing I have a problem is. Is if you go look this up, this is a real thing. You can look it up. It actually started on like the 16th and it ran from like the 16th to the 21st of January in 1977. So maybe they just got a, I don't know. So you're saying why did they pick the 11th versus the actual date of the 16th? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, I mean, surely there wouldn't be any kind of like copyright, you know, <laughs> like an, an issue with using that date. I wouldn't think so. 
But this event is significant because both before and after this, places like Homestead, Florida, and Miami, and even Southwest Florida, like, um, I don't know what's down there, Fort Myers, further than that, this was one of the only times that it has reported to snow in those area. Now, it has snowed other times in Central Florida and North Florida. So you're saying there's hope for a snow day? No. No chance. No. Okay. Even if it did, it wouldn't stick. And even they said during this great snow event of 1977, absolutely nothing stuck to the ground. However, that's the real story. We're going with the fictional story. And this fictional story, it was like this freak snowstorm, and they didn't know what to do here in Central Florida. So groups of entrepreneurs got together, and they created this ski resort like overnight with all this new ski. This new snow that was built up. This reminded me of kind of of the story of Expedition Everest, just because it has like that entrepreneurial and like a shift happens. And that's what, you know, allows this opportunity for a new business to thrive. That is an interesting connection. I mean, because if you think about, you know, Expedition Everest, that came from um, the T exports and then they decided to turn it into more of an adventure type business. But here there wasn't even anything like before, like it was nothing. They just, it snowed. Well, what are we going to do with this? Obviously create a ski resort and here we go. Yeah. And you know, that's why you see like the Swiss chalet type things because this was built as an actual ski resort. So of course the snow melts at this point and they're left with this entire ski resort that is basically rendered useless almost immediately. And so they have toboggan runs, they have slaloms, they have a ski lift, they have a huge mountain that has snow, you know, that's melting off of it. And essentially they had just decided at that point, this is a lost cause. We were dummies for building a ski resort in I Central Florida. I would say Florida. they're not very good entrepreneurs. Well... Or were they? Because what happened next, Catherine? The owners were about to walk away. They were probably cutting their losses, hanging their heads. I can imagine you know, they're kind of shuffling their feet. They don't know what they're going to do next or say to their significant others now that they had just blown it. When, to their surprise, a gator comes sliding down the mountain. And it's not just any gator. It's not your typical Florida gator who would just be sunbathing. He's blue. He was yelling at the top of his lungs. He was having the greatest time of his life. And this is where we're introduced to Ice Gator. He saves the day. Which is pretty crazy because a lot of the stories that you read of like the Disney official stuff, they all mention him screaming at the top of his lungs. Which I think echoes kind of the same thing that you would hear at Summit Plummet now when you're going to visit. But it was it was essentially the same thing where... They had this ski run, and it was starting to melt, and that kind of slushy-type atmosphere and environment allowed this opportunity for Ice Skater to make his descent. And so the operators at this point, the entrepreneurs, see this, and they see the potential that they were able to convert this into a water park, and it becomes Disney's Blizzard Beach. And the tagline for it is the most <laughs> slushy, slippery, exhilarating water park anywhere. Anywhere. Not just in Florida, Brendan. 
anywhere. So what do you think of this fictional story? I mean, honestly, I love it. It's very simple. I think it's super fun that it ties into an actual, like a historical event, I guess you could say. That's unofficially. That's just what I was able to piece together. So but I, I mean, but just, there was a, a freak snowstorm, correct? I mean, that's got to be documented somewhere. I mean, yeah, that's what... What do you mean that's documented? Yeah, that's what I pulled up. I didn't make that whole story up. <laughs> well, you just said unofficial. No, I'm saying Disney hasn't officially linked the two. Oh, well. Events. Okay, then I'm I'm just going to say I feel like they're too closely related to not be related. If you can say that. So I, I think, think it's fun. I think it's fun and simple. I'm curious as to Ice Gator because a lot of these other backstories we don't I don't know. It it seems silly to think about it in this way, but a lot of these other backstories are realistic, you know, to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. With almost everything else in the parks, you kind of get that where it's humans and, you know, there may be myths or legends like the Yeti or things like that, but it's all believable that ties into the land. I mean, obviously this one is fictional to a purpose. It's not just like, a gator, you know, a normal wild gator happened to climb up there and slide down. Like, this is a cartoon gator that. Well, is there's the a statue of him there, too. So you get a, a pretty good visual for what Ice Gator looks like. And used to more than now, they had tons of merch with him as well, like pins and shirts and everything. Ice Gator was on there. That's a good point, though, that it's not a person. Because, I mean, very easily, I feel like the story could have been just that these operators, these entrepreneurs, could have just seen the ice melting and said, like, wow, that looks like a water slide. Let's do that. So I wonder if Ice Skater brings almost like a different element of fun that they needed. Like, maybe they were just trying to bring it all together. I mean, I think so, and I don't want to compare and contrast the two, and because we'll do an episode on it eventually, but with Typhoon Lagoon, we do know like it has Society of Explorers and Adventurers ties. So obviously it has a very rich and, you know, I want to say believable backstory, but that's not the right word, but a plausible backstory within this fictional world of Walt Disney World and the Disney Parks. This one is a completely different direction and something that we haven't dove into yet, I don't think. Yeah, I think that's fair. I wish it was like Typhoon Lagoon, to be honest. I knew I knew that was coming. I feel like they're just two very different feelings, I guess. You know, Typhoon Lagoon is more believable. There's a shipwreck there, you know, and everything that kind of centers around it plays into the story. I think for this one, maybe, you know, they already had the Typhoon Lagoon. They had River Country. Maybe they were just looking for a different spin on another water park. So you're saying they is in Imagineers. Imagineers, yes. So let's go ahead and go into the historical accurate story of how this was built. It has a cute little story that goes along with it. So when Typhoon Lagoon opened in 1989, it was a gigantic hit. And basically, during the warm months, it was hitting capacity almost daily. And so, of course, in Disney's mind, 
when you're hitting capacity, you're turning away guests. And those are people that are not paying to the price of admission and getting in. So they decided that they were going to continue to expand on the water parks. And so they tasked Walt Disney Imagineering with coming up with this new park. They already had the land. If you're not familiar with kind of how Walt Disney World lays out, Blizzard Beach is kind of in the middle of nowhere. It's just in between Magic Kingdom, Hollywood Studios, and Epcot. They kind of make a um, triangle. Animal Kingdom is a little bit more off on its own, and then Blizzard Beach is on the way to Animal Kingdom. So it's yeah. really close to Coronado Springs, if you're familiar with that is. So if you're looking at it, that road, it's in between Coronado Springs and like the McDonald's and the All-Star Resorts. So it's on that little stretch of land. Everybody knows where McDonald's is. Well, obviously. But so, yeah, they had this piece of land and they needed to come with a, up with an idea. And they really struggled out of the gate. They couldn't figure out what they were going to do. And the story goes that Imagineer Eric Jacobson was a collector of snow globes. Now, don't, doesn't, did you collect snow globes? I can't remember. Do you have like a family connection to snow globes? I, <laughs> you're making it sound a lot more uh, deep than it was. I have a few snow globes. Oddly enough, when I student taught, kids gave me like three snow globes, like Christmas snow globes. I don't know what the big lore was that year, but so I have those. But then growing up, I had, um, and it's still in the office, like a, a Cinderella castle snow globe. Oh, it's right I, over behind my head. It is. And I think I got it for Christmas. And then at the time, I guess in the early 2000s, they made all of these like super cool Disney snow globes. And I never got any more, but that was always like the favorite thing for us to look at. Like I can vividly picture a Lion King snow globe. Um, but to answer your question, no. I don't have like some sort of special connection with snow globes. It's wild to me that you can't take snow globes on planes because of the water in them. I yeah, like that. That's just like a weird fact. Yeah, it always blows my mind. But anyway, <laughs> Eric Jacobson was a collector of snow globes. He had them from all of his travels. That was something that he picked up and brought back. And so apparently one day he just picks one up and he says, you know, jokingly, too bad we can't make a park out of one of these. And with the snow falling and everything else involved with that, that planted the seed for this idea for a ski resort style of water park. Which is, I mean, a pretty cool concept when you think about it, because when you compare, you know, like I've honestly never been to a ski resort. So I just have to go off of what I've seen from Blizzard Beach. (laughs) (laughs) Not like movies or TV shows. It's just Blizzard Beach is what you base it all off of. Well, okay. Maybe a little bit of both. I have no personal experience in this matter, but there are a lot of good correlations. You know, it has the ski lift. Obviously most resorts, uh, water parks don't have that, but like the tall slides, like it is a change in elevation. You are, climbing to like these different heights that you can ride the slides down. I mean, I feel like, especially with Disney Imagineering, you could obviously do a lot with that. And they did. I mean, that's pretty much it that's documented for the historical story. You know, as much as that was really interesting to me when I was researching it. But if we go back to the fictional story, 
I think this is an area that, if you're like us, this we're not overly familiar with this. I honestly don't know if I've ever been to Blizzard Beach. I think you went in high school, right? I did. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Well, we've been together. Yes, we have pictures, Brendan. We went to Typhoon Lagoon. Oh, dang it. We went to Typhoon Lagoon. I, okay. Touche. Must have been your other boyfriend. <laughs> um, so yeah, the, that I want to go through a lot of the the names and the styles of all these attractions, just so if you are going in the future, maybe it's something that you're interested in. But also, they were super creative in a lot of the theming and the naming of things in particular here. And this is where you have to say it right, because like you just said with Ice Skater, it could be Ice Skater. So some of these are super fun. So starting with theming, if you look at the chairlift or the ski lift that takes you up to Summit Plummet, if you look on the bottom of them, there's still skis attached. So there's like a really cool photo opportunity that you could do where if someone went below you, they'd see you wearing, you know, a bathing suit and skis on at the bottom. So it fits in that theme. But if you think about, you know, back to the story, these operators, these entrepreneurs, they made this switch super quick. And obviously you would think they probably did it in a panic because they were running out of money. And so they needed to switch it over to a water park really quick. So a lot of these things you can see that they were themed for the ski resort and then they just kind of patched it or they amended it slightly to be able to get it to a water park theme. All right. So the first one is Snow Joe Ski Rental which then became Snowless Joe's Locker and Towel Rental. So I think, I don't. you're not a baseball fan, but do you think this is a Shoeless Joe Jackson reference as well? I, <laughs> what do you expect me to say to that? We can, I'll say yes to humor you because you just seem to be very excited about that idea. Well, when I was typing it out, I thought Snowless Joe, Shoeless Joe, kind of along the same lines. I'll, I'll agree with you there. Lotta Wada Lodge. I wanted to say that one. How would you pronounce it? Oh, thank you. Lotta Wada. <laughs> A Lotta Wada. There's your Pennsylvania roots coming oh, out. Oh, I love it so much. That's how my mother actually says water. Wada. And it's the greatest thing of all times. They have the Cooling Hut, which this is a visual one that you need to see. You can look it up online. But they have three coolers, like igloo coolers, that you would buy from Walmart. And they wrote cool wing hut on the three of them so it's very <laughs> makeshift and kind of ratchet are you allowed to say that <laughs> i think so uh they have frostbite freddy's avalanche polar pub and ic expeditions so i mean they're all is almost like ice ice correct i just had to throw that out there <laughs> okay and you know, there's other things that happen as well where you can see the evidence of ice skaters' famous run down Summit Plummet. If you look at to some of the gift shops, you can see up on top there's some ski tracks of where he hit. And then if you look even closer, you can see maybe some remnants of his crash landing of when he got down there. But there's all kinds of other things too. There's like snowmobiles that are stuck or, you know, things that you can tell that they would operate in the snow, and now that they're in sand or, you know, there's no more snow left, they're just kind of left and 
they don't have a use for them anymore. Which is super fun. And I know we're not talking about this right now, but it also definitely fits with the mini golf course that is right there, the winter Summerland. So it's a nice, like, cohesive theme for this little area. So within Summit Plummet, or Mount Gushmore, I guess is what I should actually say. Mount Gushmore is the entire mountain in the middle. Within it, there's a couple of different levels that lead into different attractions there. And again, we normally wouldn't cover those, but I think it'd be fun today since maybe some of you aren't as familiar with. So the very top one is the Green Slope Attractions. They're found at the uppermost point of Mount Gushmore. First one is Summit Plummet. That's what all of you see as you're driving. It is 120 feet tall. You reach 60 miles per hour while you go down it. And it's the second tallest and fastest free fall slide in the world. I don't, this is a, this is a big no for me, dog. (laughs) I love that you just said that, but um, yeah, so I did this once because peer pressure in high school is a real thing. So I've done it once. I will never do it again because all of those things that you just said are terrifying. I think there's definitely a group of people who would be interested in this, maybe high schoolers, thrill seekers, people without corgis to come home to, um, but not me. Other things in this green soap area are the Team Boat Springs. It's the world's longest family white water raft ride. It is 1,400 feet long, which is pretty crazy. And this this is my kind of ride. Put me on a tube down a slide. This has my name written all over it. There's a big problem with this, though, Catherine. What? A minimum of four and a maximum of six. So we're going to have to take some friends with us. Well, it, exactly. Exactly. You have to bring friends to a place like this because just for this reason. Because there are other racing opportunities, too. And you don't want to be with random people. That's the worst. <laughs> then uh, Slush and Gusher is basically the baby version. I say baby version. It's still big of Summit Plummet. It's a 90-foot tall, 250-foot long body slide. Well, the difference about this one, though, is that it's not straight down, or is it? You have two little level-off places before you keep going down. It's like you go down, you level out for a second, then you go down further, and then you level off for a second, then you go down the rest of the way. Oh, but it's not just like straight, straight. Correct. It's not a free fall. Okay. And so that does it for the green slope attractions. Next is the purple slope attractions. And the way that you get these is they have these signs laid out, you know, saying green slope, purple slope, red slope, like like you would at a ski resort. That's what I was going to say. Based on how difficult the slope is. So the downhill double double dipper, that's a tough one to get out. (laughs) What can you tell us about those? So it's the world's only side-by-side racing slide, but really what that means is that it is a race, and it's not a body slide race, which is a big deal in our house because we're not big fans of body slides, just being honest. We love the tube slides. So this tube slide, you travel 25 miles per hour. It is 230 feet long, 50 feet high, but the really good thing about this one is that everything is automated. And what I mean by that is it times you, so there's no cheating. And you can't cheat by like pushing off because there are little gates there 
that hold you until it's time for you to start your race. So it's just like skiing, like in the Olympics. When exactly. They do those speed ones. That's cool. So it yeah, it is super cool. And it's the perfect thing to I mean to race to see who's faster. Next is snowstormers and toboggan racers. There's really not too much of a difference between these two. They're both mat slides. The toboggan racers is like the same slide that you've seen at every single water park you've ever been to with the eight lanes Just all like, sliding down at once. Yeah, kind of like what you would used to do with like the gosh, the potato sack. Like at the county fair, you know, with those big slides where you just sit on the sack and you slide down the slide. Um, Storm snow stormers is just a three person race, and this is one that's a little more uh, like curved, so this it's a little more twists is, and turns. This episode is not meant for people like us who get tongue tied quite often. That that's a true fact. But these, the key here, if you've never been on a mat slide, you got to make sure that you don't scrape your knees. Because it hurts. You got to keep your knees on the mat. Seem like you're speaking from experience. We did this a lot. We've been, we've, we are mat slide. I don't want to say pros because that's a lot of pressure, but we've done this a lot. Anybody here, any Nashville Shores um, veterans? Ooh, that one will rip you apart. <laughs> um, yeah, Nashville Shores is not, not too great of a place. Would not recommend. The Red Slope is found at the very rear of the park, and it only has one attraction, and that is the Runoff Rapids. It's a 600-foot inner tube run featuring two open and one enclosed tube slides. So this one seems cool. Yeah. I mean, we it's another raft ride that's fun. And then on the ground level, you know, not included in Mount Gushmore, they have Melt Away Bay, which is the wave pole, and then the Cross Country Trek, which is the Lazy River. And the cool thing about the cross, oh, cross country creek. Man, like I said, <laughs> this is not good for people like us who have trouble speaking. Cross country creek, it's all, it's supposed to be the runoff water from when the snow melted. Oh, that's fun. And so there's portions of it that are not heated. So normally Disney keeps it at like 80 degrees, I think, which seems really high for water temperature. But there's parts that they make it really, really cold. They have like a ice cave. Oh, you go through. I don't know if I would like that. I got to stay on my tube for that part of the ride. And then there's some other little like uh, smaller things, you know, small slides throughout. But that's pretty much it besides the chairlift, which is also an attraction that you can take. But I've heard from a few people. That the food and beverage at Blizzard Beach is underrated. I would love to go out there one day and just go in the Lazy River and eat and drink and hang out. Oh, you'd have to race me on a tube ride. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the problem is you have to buy a ticket right now. Yeah. So When would we not have to buy a ticket? Well, I was just saying, like, we originally planned when we were down here that we might upgrade our pass, but we're not doing that. Oh, to include the water parks. Correct. Yeah. The water parks. Yeah. So that about does it. So just based off this and based off your experiences in Typhoon Lagoon, which one, if they're both open, which one are you most interested in or is it Volcano Bay? Oh, way to throw that one out there. Um, Okay. I'm going to stick first with the Disney water parks. I think 
We really enjoy Typhoon Lagoon simply because it has the water coaster and that's super fun. Crush and Gusher, right? Cru- yes, Crush and Gusher. That one is awesome. I, I mean, we were the people who would, we'd ride it, we'd get in line. We'd ride it, we'd get in line just over and over and over again. So that was awesome. So I might still sway towards Typhoon Lagoon just for that one attraction. Um, but Volcano Bay is, it's like a mystery. We don't, I don't know really much about it. I know they have a water roller coaster, which seems super fun. Um, I just like the theming. I like that they do the, um, Tapu Tapus. Yeah. I was going to say like mobile wait times. I don't. That's it's basically a magic band for waiting in line. Yeah. Which I think is really fun because then you can spend your time like sitting in the lazy river instead of standing in line for that amount of time. And we've just never done it, you know? So unfortunately, I might have to lean towards Volcano Bay. So we're going to go super off the wall here. But we, for a long time, like growing up, you know, we dated all throughout high school. Water parks, we enjoyed them a lot. We would seek out water parks. And so I'm going to give everybody a hot tip. The best water park we've ever been to was at Holiday World in Santa Claus, Indiana. So any of our Midwest friends within driving distance to Santa Claus, heck, I'd even fly to Santa Claus. <laughs> I think Just to go to the water park? I think you'd have to fly into either like Louisville or Indianapolis. But anyway, yeah. Don't you think that water park was amazing? It was, yeah. We did half of a day in the actual Holiday World park and half a day at the water park. And I think we did have more fun at the water park. And fun fact, we drove same day, round trip, from Nashville, drove up to Holiday World, got there as soon as it opened. I think we left at like 3 o'clock in the morning, didn't get home till like 4 o'clock the next morning, nonstop. Worst rain downpour we've ever driven through on the way home. And my co, my lovely co-host of Detour to Neverland, <laughs> slept through the whole I thing. I slept. I was so tired. Thank God, Brendan's a good driver. But um, we loved it. So if you would were, recommend, if you came here listening to this episode, trying to get an off-the-wall water park uh, recommendation, then there you go. You're Glad welcome. We could provide that for you. So, anything else you want to add on Blizzard Beach? I think it's um. You know, I'm a little, I don't want to say I'm disappointed in this story. I wish it was a little bit deeper just because, just based on the very, very little that I know about Typhoon Lagoon, I know it it goes pretty deep, but I do know that's something that they expanded on, you know, years after the park was open. Yeah. So maybe Blizzard would get an expansion at some point that would give it some more references or outside references, but. I mean, I will say it is simple. But that doesn't necessarily bother me because I think it's easy to follow. You know, you can walk into the park and not necessarily know anything about Ice Skater, but you can understand that this was once a ski resort. It is now a water park. And you can look for all of those hidden clues throughout the day or like those fun little details that you mentioned with things that are left over or the signs that were changed, you know, or you could look for ice skaters crash and it's kind of you know it's something that can reveal itself to you 
throughout the day. And it might give you something to look, you know, look at while you're in line. You can play like I spy. I look forward to doing the storytelling of both of the mini golf of winter Summerland mini golf. Cause I do think it will tie into this maybe a little bit. I mean, I'm interested to see how Santa got here. I mean, San- I mean, it's Florida. Why would Santa not want to be here? That's very true. So anything else you want to add for this episode? No, I think that about covers it. So as we wrap this up again, if you are looking to take a Disney vacation, there is no harm at all in getting a free quote from our friend, Hannah Little. You can go to littlebitofdisney.com or click the link down in our show notes. Whether you need help with the entire vacation or you just need a little bit of help and want to make sure that you're getting the best price and getting someone to monitor it to make sure they're getting all the discounts, Hannah can absolutely help you with that. And of course, if you enjoyed this episode and enjoyed hearing more about Blizzard Beach, feel free to leave us an iTunes review. It is absolutely the best way to help the show grow. We will be doing a TikTok Live on Friday, April 2nd from Universal Studios, as Catherine has off of school for Good Friday. So if you'd like to tune in for that, we'd love to have you over there as well. So thank you so much for listening. Hope you have a wonderful weekend, and we will talk to you on Monday. Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Make sure you subscribe and leave us an iTunes review if you enjoyed the show. Between episodes, you can find us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland or visit DetourToNeverland.com. We appreciate you letting us be part of your day. See you real soon.